Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Good morning. Welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Symmetra, LPGA, and Legends Tour, and so many others, helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Season 9 of the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside is none other than LPGA professional and Legends Tour player, Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. Good morning, Cindy, and welcome to Season 9. Good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. We haven't, yeah, we haven't really spoken uh, since we uh, closed off uh, last season, and uh, lots of things uh, obviously going on. And um, so I thought before we get into our discussion this morning, we're just going to have a general discussion about, uh, for those of you out there beginning a new season, some of you obviously that live in uh, warmer climates such as myself get to play all year round, but uh, for those of you um, that are looking forward to an early spring thaw, you might have a few weeks left, um, are itching to get out there, so we're going to try and give you some tips to do that. And then a little bit later on, we're going to be joined by uh, Debbie O'Connell, she's an LPJ Uh, teaching a club professional, a keynote speaker, author, and entrepreneur. Uh, She's going to be joining us as our first guest uh, here in Season 9. But, uh, Cindy, we were just talking about you went to the PGA uh, show. I know you're always uh, spinning plates, as you put it, uh, down there. So I know you had a lot of things going on. How was the show this year? You know what? It it was small, and the main players, you know, all the big equipment companies weren't there. But the people that were there, I think they got Mm -hmm. to renew relationships and see people Mm -hmm. in person. And I think that that was a very good seed that they planted. And it was good for them to be there because I made new friends. And I think it was just, you know, a really good thing to go, if you will. Yeah. Unfortunately, as as I mentioned to you, I had a wedding to go to during that time. And um, not mine, by the way, but uh, a wedding nevertheless. And uh um, so I wasn't able to go this year, but I uh, heard, heard both pluses and minuses. But, uh, yeah, a lot of the main uh, big guys weren't there this year. But I think you're right. I think it was a good opportunity uh, for those to, you know, we've had a, a kind of a rough couple of years, people not being able to get together as much as we would like uh, or have in the past. So I think it was a great uh, opportunity for uh, those in this profession to be able to get together and, and uh, sort of re- rekindle those uh, uh, friendships again and, and make some new friends. So I think it was uh, uh, good either way. So I think that's uh, fantastic. Now, I know that um, you've been busy off-season. I see your posts and, and stuff all the time, and I understand that you're going to be doing some stuff uh, with uh, Tita Green. Tell me a little bit about that. They are <clears throat> a radio show in Buffalo on um, the morning network of WGRZ. 
And I think we've kind of edited what I'm going to do, and we're going to do a TV program in, on oh. uh, the NBC Network Channel 2. So they are all kind of partners with WGRZ. Mm-hmm. So right. it's not going to be so much the radio show as it's going to be a TV program. And I think it's only going to be on once or twice. Very good. Well, that's still, it's uh, obviously gives you um, some additional exposure, which I know is good for not only you, but also good for those that get the opportunity to watch. I know you've done for years a lot of stuff uh, on the Golf Channel, some great uh, uh, product there. So I know that uh, the folks up in the Buffalo area particularly are going to enjoy uh, seeing you uh, do what you do best, and that is helping others um, enjoy this great game like we do. Um, so congratulations on that, and um, hopefully it'll Thank expand you. even further. Yeah, I think it's great. I, you know, <laughs> How many plates are you up to now? I'm just wondering. <laughs> That's another one that you're throwing well, you up on. You know what? I, um, yeah, another. You're not going to retire, are you? You're never going to retire, are Why you? Why would I retire? I love what I do. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, again, We're gonna be... if you find something that you love, why would you stop and do nothing? Yep, I, I agree. You know, it's a different. It's a different. Um, you know, set of circumstances. You know, in my uh, parents probably, I'm sure, was very similar to yours. That generation, you know, they look forward to retiring and, you know, um, maybe doing some traveling or just sort of relaxing. But I think, you know, starting certainly with our generation and that and, and beyond, it just there's too much to do. And who just wants to plunk themselves into a lazy boy chair or on a couch or what have you and, and just sit there and, and, uh, and really do very little? I think it's, it's great. And I'm, I'm, right in your camp as well. I've just, uh, you know, I'm, as long as my voice holds out and as long as I can, you know, uh, keep walking upright, if I have to crawl, well, I'll have to figure out something else to do. But, um, but anyways, enough of that. Um, so we're really excited, everybody. Thank you for, for joining us and sticking around. We appreciate all of the loyal listeners and obviously uh, the uh, new listeners that uh, stepped in. So we're going to try not to disappoint you and, and provide you with some, some nuggets. So, you know, like so many other um, sports out there, uh, where you're required to kind of make a split decision, um, you know, whether it be football or basketball or whatever, you've got to sort of be quick on your feet. Uh, golf is more of a slow-paced uh, game, but there's a lot of things and there's some steps. So if you're looking to begin a new season, whether you're a seasoned player who's played for many years or you're somebody that's come new to the game, uh, there's some things, and we've got a few steps here we're going to talk about. There's certainly some other things as well. Uh, but here's some steps of things that you can do. But I want to start out with the very first uh, sort of pre-step, if you will, Cindy. And this is something um, that particularly new golfers um, need to uh, adhere to. If you're playing, not necessarily for the very first time, but maybe you haven't played a lot, you've just sort of come to the game in the last year or so, um, one of the things that you have to be mindful of, and that is the grips on your club. Um, Cindy, I'm sure you've seen this on the Lesson T, people coming up, and they've got these old worn out grips. Uh, you know, it's like an old comfortable shoe. They don't want to mess with it. And they don't realize that having good, uh, solid grips, and I mean not slick, they're newer, uh, certainly in good shape, uh, is imperative. What would you say, I, I guess, obviously for somebody that plays a lot of golf, you're going to change them a little more often, but... I kind of under the camp of I say at least one, two times a year you should change and put new grips on. What do you think? I totally agree. And I think it depends on how much you play or practice. I mean, if sure. you play once a month, then maybe you don't need to do that. But 
Um, if you play once a month, I would change them once a year. If you play two or three times a week, I would change them two or three times a year. It's really right. important that you have grips that are tacky. Um, before I play, I wash my grips. I clean them with a old yucky towel you'd wash the car with. You wet yep. one end of it, and you um, and you just rub them down real good, and you take the dry end and dry them off just so they get a little more sticky. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You have to change your grips. Yeah, and and I, I think that's a, an area. Even some of our seasoned golfers now, people have been playing for a long time. I think they've kind of uh, fallen into that camp of okay, you know what? I need to change the grips out this year. Some of them may only do it once a year. Um, for people that play a lot more frequently, as you pointed out, you know, two maybe even three times a year. Certainly, you don't have to change them out as often as the pros change them out. Uh, unless you're playing every single day. but uh, And even then, uh, I think you can get around that a little bit. But I see so many people that have got grips they've had on there for five, six years. And, you know, they might only play a few times a year, um, but they're just worn out. Um, and they, they don't really take good care of them. So that's something that I think, number one, you want to make sure that you have. Uh, number two that I want to mention before we get into some of the other steps, and that is to make sure that if you are going to play now, if you're only playing one one time a year, obviously you're not going to do this, but maybe you're boring uh, a friend's uh, clubs or you're renting clubs uh, from whatever course you're going to be playing at. But if you're going to get some clubs, you don't have to spend a lot of money. You can get a, um, a, a cheaper set, for lack of better words, but it's well worth the money, and Cindy, I think you would agree, is to make sure that you're fit properly. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yes. Yes. I do. You know, I mean... I- that go ahead and again i i have a little bias here uh if you're a woman and you're five foot six or taller Mm -hmm. it's really important that you know um how long your arms are Mm -hmm. and if you email me cindy at cindymillergolf.com i will send you a photo of how to figure out whether or not you need longer clubs than normal i have a pet peeve about women going into big box stores and the salesperson just giving them ladies clubs or petite clubs and never measuring them. And they Mm -hmm. typically, if they're a little taller, they never give them men's clubs and they need men's clubs, even if it's men's senior shafts. So it's really, really, really Mm -hmm. important. So email me. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Um, So making sure that you're fitted properly, if you're going to be playing with any sort of regularity, and that doesn't mean you have to be playing every week, but even if you're going to play several times a year and you want to have your own clubs, you don't feel like renting or what have you, um, or borrowing somebody else's clubs, and you want to have your own set of clubs, maybe you want to take up the game a little bit more um, with some sort of regularity, get fitted. You don't have to spend a lot of money, but get fitted. It's well worth that money, uh, again, whether you buy uh, an expensive set or, or a cheaper um, set of clubs, and make sure that you fit. And you know what? The other thing, too, Cindy, just one more quick point that we're going to get on to some of the steps, and that is you don't have to buy 14 clubs. You're allowed 14 clubs in the bag, but you don't have to have all, especially if you're a new golfer. You don't have to have, uh, and that's where working with a uh, an LPGA or PGA professional um, meeting with them, talking about, especially if you're going to get some lessons in that, and let them help guide you. Because a lot of those clubs in those bags you may never use, certainly in the beginning. Um, so you want to make sure that uh, you're not only being fitted well, uh, but you're only buying what you really need. And then you can add as you go on, as you develop a little bit more in your game, you want to add some clubs here and there. But a lot of clubs uh, you may not use in the bag right away, so you don't have to buy all 14, and they'll walk you through the process. All right, the first step, Cindy, is I, I believe in this. I think... 
you want to begin every hole as though it's the first hole in your round. Um, and what I mean by that is obviously the first tee shot you step up, whether you're playing nine holes or 18 holes, uh, is obviously an important one, but I think you should treat each hole as an individual and not just, okay, the first hole, I'm going to be a little bit nervous. I'm going to get up there and do that. And then after that, I'm just going to, whatever happens, happens. Um, you know, I think you, you have a short, you have to have a short memory, putting bad holes out of your mind as soon as you step off the green from the previous hole and start it over as, a, as though it's like a brand new round. What do you think about that? I think that's important in my opinion, but what do you think? I would take it one step further, and I wouldn't say holes. I would say swings or shots. Every swing mm -hmm. is a new swing. Um, mm -hmm. You can't cluster them together. You need to know what your pre-shot routine is. You need to know what your thought process is. How do I set up to hit each shot? Um, and it's not, you know, oh, how am I doing? It, it, don't even think about how you're doing. Just pay attention to mm -hmm. the task at hand and stay in the present moment, and each present moment is a separate shot. I would say it's not a whole. It's a, I would go one step further and say it's every swing I make, I'm going to focus. And I, I would make a process goal of saying, you know what, I'm going to try to do my routine and stay focused 80% of the time today because you're going to slip back and make a mistake. But sure, that's what I would try to do. Yep, I think that's some great advice. Step two is to sort of help along that, and that is to block out all of the distractions when you step up to make your shot. Um, think of nothing but you and the ball. Um, there's a lot of distractions, you know, natural distractions like birds and, and even other players uh, talking and uh, golf carts, that sort of thing, driving past. Uh, but you want to really focus and stay in sort of your own mental zone. Focus on the task at hand, as you just pointed out, Cindy, because that's, that's another area, too, that so many people, especially some of our high handicappers, they just get so very easily distracted. And that's something, a tip they can learn from the pros. And I know, Cindy, when you play in a lot of your uh, different events and that, you've got to stay focused, right? You can't be thinking about everything else going on. Maybe give us a tip that you, uh, that you do that helps you stay in focus. Well, you need a trigger. When you're playing, you can be talking to everybody else, and it's your turn to hit. It's almost like you have a trigger. You might tap your visor. You might tap your leg. You might push your fingers together. Something that says, okay, I'm shifting states. I'm going from talking to everyone to now I've got to flip the switch and go into my pre-shot routine. How far are we? What's my lie look like? What's the wind doing? What's my smartest play from this situation? What club should I hit? What's the playable yardage? Then you pull the club, then you walk behind, then you visualize where you want the ball to fly, then you walk into it, you set it up, you look at the target to make sure you're doing the right thing, and then you switch, you know, you flip states again into what are my swing thoughts while I'm swinging. So a lot of people, when I ask them, what are you thinking while you're swinging, they say nothing. And it needs to be right. an audio, visual, or kinesthetic thought. Um, and it's not a lot. It's one or two things. So I happen to be a visual learner. So I pretend mm -hmm. I'm spiked to a pole. And if I move off the pole, I die. So I'm spiked to the pole, swing, hinge, kill. And, and that's all I'm thinking while I'm swinging. You can't control the outcome unless you know what you're doing with the club. Mm -hmm. Well said. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and, and again, this is another area that a lot of our amateurs really struggle with and is, is being able to stay focused. They're too busy um, allowing outside distractions. And you know what? You, you can't just be 100% focused on, on golf 
you know, for the four and a half or whatever uh, time that you're there, you have to, you know, you're walking. We'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, you're, you're going to be walking or maybe taking a cart. So you want to have some time to, you know, chat with your partners and, and things like that as you're getting ready to get up to where your balls are. Um, but you need to have some sort of triggers, as you suggest. The other thing, too, Cindy, is, and this was something really I, uh, I kind of pulled out from a conversation we had, and I don't recall the young lady's name, but uh, she talked about this, one of the Symmetra Tour winners that we had on the show over the last few years, and she talked about setting uh, some small goals for each round of golf, um, number one, that are achievable and obviously realistic. It's a little bit more advanced for them. And she said what she likes to do is um, to break up the course into small groups of maybe three holes. Um, and she doesn't focus on um, you know, the bad shots and things like that. She sort of lets them go by. But um, she treats it kind of like mini rounds within the round. And I think that's kind of an interesting idea because it's not – it's not as overwhelming if you if you have it if you think okay I've got to play 18 holes if you think it kind of you're just playing a couple holes or three holes or whatever like that it's not maybe as overwhelming for some golfers that maybe don't have a lot of experience um, but I think it's important the primary thing that she talked about was really setting uh, some small goals for each round um, give me an idea what do you think about that that sort of approach to it do you think that's something that um, has worked not maybe for yourself but maybe for those that you've worked with. Uh, over the years, or give me your general thoughts. I think it's important for you to figure out what your personal goals are. Mm -hmm. And again, maybe it's just to hit the ball better. Maybe it's to get the ball in the air rather than breaking up a course into three holes, which for a tour player, that might work for them. Everybody's mm -hmm. an individual, and you need to figure out, you know, why am I here? What do I want to do? And the funny thing is most of my students, when they come in, they say, I want to hit the ball farther. Well, what do you shoot? I had a student Saturday morning in a clinic that I had never helped before, and I and he was hitting shots that were, you know, a little heavy, a little thin, but straight, right at the target. And yep. he was upset. And I said, you didn't like that? He goes, oh, no, that was terrible. I said, well, what do you shoot? Well, I don't break 100. And I said, I got news for you. If I hit that shot, I could break 80. So it's also mm -hmm. your opinion of yourself. Yep. And I think you need to have realistic expectations and goals. And it might be, I want to just get the ball airborne. I want to hit the ball straighter. So you could break it up into shots. You could break it up into holes. You could break it up into nine holes. Whatever you want for yourself. Yep. I, th I think that's some some good advice as well. And, and you know, just to touch on your point with, with the student, you know, there's a lot of people that I've seen as well over the years that can hit a pretty decent ball. They may not have great distance, but they're straight, and they're getting it in the air. And they're unhappy because, well, you know, my buddies can hit it, you know, 225, 230, or whatever the case is, and I'm, you know, just knocking on 200. And I said, you know, that's pretty good. That's actually not bad. Well, again, if, if you play the right team markers, mm -hmm. again, I can't compete with Laura Davies, right? Right. I mean, she outdrives right. me by probably 70 yards. But if I can yeah. straight her to death and get the ball up and down, you've got to play within yourself. My whole life I've tried to buy yardage, and I just yeah. never I, – I even bought a shaft that's supposed to go 20 or 30 yards farther for $700 for the shaft. Again, mm. you have to be, you know, what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses, and how can I best perform? And I think most people don't play the right team markers. 
Right. I think it's really important I would say that good you – yeah. And, again, yeah. some of these guys, well, i got to play the blue tees because my friends do. Well, no, you don't. If you only hit a 200 yards, you got to move up. Yeah. <laughs> and your age. You know, Nick – You know, sometimes older people don't want – well, I'm in denial. I'm not in denial. Let me go way up there. Yeah, I, I know. I'm I'm the I'm the same way as you. I'm in the, I'm in the same you know boat as you. As I I you know I'm I'm honest with myself. If I know you know I, I can I can still if I really want to I could play from the blues, but I don't because for me I recognize that you know I'm I'm getting a little bit older. I'm not going to have the same distance that I did when I was in my 20s or 30s or even 40s. And now that I'm knocking a, a few doors away from 60. Um, I have to recognize that, hey, you know what? I'm not going to have the same ability, uh, but I can still hit it to straight. In fact, I'm hitting it straighter now um, and, um, you know, making some more putts. So I can find other ways of dialing up my game as opposed to distance. And I can hit far enough still that I'm keeping it in play, uh, which is first and foremost, but I'm getting enough distance that I can do the things that I, I need to do. But, yeah, I might have to move up a tee box, uh, you know, uh, in order to uh, to be able to uh, to achieve some of those things, but that's okay. Uh, you know, if I'm uh, right. if I'm you know making good scores, then uh, then I'm happy with that. Number four, you talked about this is you know develop a a pre-shot routine um, that both calms you and sort of narrows your focus. And something too that um, and again you have to be mindful of slow play. You know, we're not trying to slow everybody down. You don't have to do exactly as the pros. But if you feel if you're in the middle of your routine, whatever that may be for you, and again, it's an individual, as Cindy pointed out, um, if something really throws you off, step back and, and start over. Um, again, be mindful of around you. Again, you're not playing in the Masters, but at the same time, it's okay because you want to make sure that's one thing, you know, Cindy, you, know, you can attest to this, is that the pros do very, very well is they have a, in fact, they're obsessive about their routines. They will step away with the slightest noise that throws them off kilter. Uh, and I know you've seen that as well. Um, maybe touch on a little bit about pre-shot routine. Well, I think what we need to help people realize is that if you don't control the club, you can't tell the ball what to do. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is everyone wants to hit the ball. When you're starting out playing the game, Everyone tries to hit the ball. When you're more seasoned and experienced, you try to control where the ball goes. <clears throat> and that we could have witnessed, I witnessed it this Sunday with Jordan Spieth. Jordan yep. Spieth started to control where the ball goes and missed the green on 16 and was lucky to make a par, missed the green on 17 and made bogey, and then didn't hit a very good tee shot on 18 and he ended up losing the tournament. And mm-hmm. the, the 36 holes before that, he was millions under par. So what happened was he started thinking about the end result instead of the process. And a pre-shot yep. routine helps you stay focused on the process and not the result. So it's, it's like a haunting demon that's trying to mess your brain up, and you cannot mm-hmm. allow it to happen. Now, it's easier said than done. We've all had it happen. I'm, you know, I, I said to Alan, we were watching, I'm like, ay, 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 I know what he's thinking. Stop. Walk back. Restart, right? Yep. Because you could just yep. see it in his mannerisms, how fidgety he got, 
And again, it just, it happens to all of us, but you need the pre-shot routine so that your brain flips the switch from trying to control the ball to paying attention to what you're doing with the club, which then will hit the ball. Then you will get the shot you want. Then you will win the tournament. Hopefully. You know, yeah, exactly. And and if not, you're at least going to have better results than you probably would have if you didn't do that. The other thing I want to touch on real quick, and then we'll finish up with our with our last uh, step five, uh, and, and that is about the pros. You know, we always hear, well, you know, I, I really like how so-and-so plays. I'd like to hit the ball like, you know, so-and-so. Um, and I don't believe in doing that because I think it's, you know, everybody's unique. Your your body types, your body styles are different. But if there is one thing that I would say to emulate what the pros do, and again, find your own, uh, but with the same consistency, and that would be a pre-shot routine because they do it so well um, at, at that level. And I think that would be something I would want a student to emulate is say, you know what, find a routine that's similar to what you do. You could have your own, but do it with the same consistency that you see the pros. Forget about the, how they're swinging the ball or how they're hitting the ball or what have you, uh, because unless you're willing to put in the time and the commitment uh, and the resources, you're never going to be like that. Um, so, you know, stop trying to emulate something that is not going to be realistic for you. Um, but a pre-shot routine is something that you can adopt. You may see a routine, say, you know, I kind of like that. You know, it does the couple of waggles and, you know, similar to what Nicholas did and things, and then pulls the trigger. That may be a routine that you can adopt and, and do it with proficiency and do it to the point that every shot that you get up in front of, that's what you're going to go through that routine. And don't be afraid, as I said, to step back if you feel yourself getting off uh, focus or what have you. Um, but that would be one thing I would say that you could emulate that the pros do. Um, the last one is, and this is one we kind of touched on a little bit earlier, and that is step five, is to clear your mind after uh, hitting each shot and just enjoy the walk. You know, have some fun. I mean, don't get so uh, obsessed over the ball's lie or, you know, whether you're how you're going to approach the shot uh, or what you might score. You mentioned that about, uh, you know, Jordan Spieth. I mean, obviously he was doing very well in early on the tournament, but then the last few holes, he obviously changed his focus. Uh, and this happens a lot, particularly with amateurs. Um, what can we do really, or what can we suggest to the listeners out there that can help them, I guess, just to have more fun? Again, it depends on your mindset. If you understand that, you know, I only play once or twice a week, I don't practice, I don't, you know, if that's you, then just be grateful that you're able to walk and be out there and enjoy the nature and and time with friends. If you're a a better amateur that's trying to, uh, maybe a junior golfer that's trying to play college golf, you know, what can you do to make playing better? Um, Should you focus on what you're doing, your task at hand, more of a pre-shot routine? Should you relax? Maybe you're just too tight. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you're a tour player that's in a slump, again, the more failure you experience, if you're willing to look in the mirror and say, okay, why is this happening? What am I doing to cause this? You're better able to recover, and then you can relax and have way more fun playing. Again, sometimes you just get too fast and you try too hard. Right. Sometimes you don't try hard enough. Maybe you're not paying attention to yardages or the wind. You know, maybe you're choosing the wrong clubs. But some, most times it's something you can control. And when you've done everything, let's say you're a tour player, that, a, a symmetric tour player that's trying to get better, and you're out there for four or five years, and 
and you never qualify for the tour. Well, are you happy to keep doing that? If you are, then stay mm-hmm. doing that, you know. Again, just you have to evaluate your own personal situation, but, you know, it, it, be grateful and enjoy the experience. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a great game. And be happy when you hit a great shot. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, we've talked about this so many times, uh, you know, over the seasons. And, and that is really, you know, obviously you're going to be conscious of when you do hit a bad shot or you have a bad hole or even a bad round. Uh, but don't dwell on it. Don't drag that proverbial baggage to the airport, um, as I've put it many times. You know, let go of that baggage and focus on, um, you know, the good things that you did. And, you know, obviously be, you know, sort of conscious of things that you need to work on. But that's different. That's not being negative. That's just saying, okay, you know what, I need to, my putting's not quite up to snuff, so I'm going to work on that a little bit harder uh, in, in, you know, my next uh, sessions. And that's something I'm going to talk to my my uh, golf professional with and say, hey, you know, my putting the last couple of rounds hasn't been that great. What can we do to step that up or uh, other parts of your short game or whatever it is? But um, but you want to get out and have fun and enjoy yourself. And because if you're not, that just adds to the frustration. And that's why that's truly why I think a lot of people that do get out uh, at some point later on is just out of frustration. They just oh, I'm never getting better. I'm not. But they're not focusing on the things that they need to, and they're not having fun. I mean, how many times, Cindy, and I, I don't want to sound like a broken ring, how many times have we had some of these young ladies off the Symmetra Tour come on and say that, you know, they were out there grinding and grinding and grinding, and it was just, you know, becoming overwhelming. They were thinking of quitting and that, and they just said, you know what, heck with it. I'm going to go out, and I'm just going to have fun, and next thing you know, they're winning a tournament. So well, there's the obviously – The other thing works, is when – Go ahead. Yeah, well, go ahead. forgive me for interrupting, but the other thing is your failures are posted for the world to see. So when you're playing in a, in a tournament, whether it's a junior tournament or a Symmetra Tour event or the LPGA Tour event, you, everyone can find your score. So everyone knows how you did. And if you're worried about what the committee of they think about you, you're not focusing on you. You can't worry about other people. You have to know what you need to do to improve and get better yourself. And if, if you're going to allow you know, the opinions of others to dictate what you do, it, you're not going to last too long because this is no, way too I hard. I couldn't agree more. Well, you know what, Cindy? It was a great discussion, but I think we can continue it a little bit more by bringing out our special guest um, who is the author of Golf Positive, Live Positive, who better to ask uh, than LPGA professional, keynote speaker, author, and entrepreneur, Debbie O'Connell. Cindy, let's welcome Debbie to the show. Yay, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Thank you both so much for having me on the show. I am, I am always just, I get so excited to be with both of you because you're both incredibly uh, smart and you're experts on this game and, and with people and how they think, how they play and all the mechanics of it. And it's fun to be part of the show and, and encourage more women to get in the game. So thank you so much for having me. Well, we appreciate it. We're happy. Yeah, I'm going to defer to Cindy for the smarts, though. I've got to correct you on one thing. I, de- I default to Cindy for smarts, but thank you for the compliment. Um, so you obviously, I, I know because I could see you on the switchboard that you were uh, listening to uh, a little bit of the show and that. So we want to pick up from what we were just talking about and get your thoughts. And then, Cindy, I'll, uh, I know you've got some questions as well. But this is an area that a lot of amateurs fall into is they get sort of down on themselves. They're not really... You know, they might hit a couple of good shots and then they hit some bad shots or they play a bad hole, whatever the case may be. And the next thing you know, 
they just assume their round is ruined. So what do you what what advice would you have if you were in front of a group that falls into that pattern, which there are a lot of them unfortunately, what would you say to them? What would the converse, how would you start the conversation off? And what advice would you give them to say, hey, you know what, it's a game. There's a lot of good things uh, about it. Take it away. Absolutely. Um, thank you for asking. Well, first, I would, I would want to teach them how to take charge of their emotional state. You know, it's the emotions that come in. Like, as you said, that we, people get frustrated out there. They get disappointed. They're down on themselves. And so we want to, in the moment on the golf course, give them the skills to take charge of their emotional state. And things like, physically smiling when you smile you release serotonin and dopamine and they are our happy drugs we're programmed that when we smile things are good and we relax a little bit more our, our aria jitanagard you see her literally smiling before she puts that you know she's she's behind the ball she visualizes it she smiles and then she steps in so that calms the nerves it gets her in a more positive state of mind also the way you stand the way you walk with your chin up, your chest out, shoulders back, and that body language there will actually change how you feel. Certain neurochemicals get released when you stand in a powerful, positive way. Stand like a superhero. So you can use your own body to actually change how you feel. So standing confidently. I, I'll stand that way when I'm getting ready for my shot. I'll lean the club next to me, and I stand like Wonder Woman. And I know mm -hmm. that when I'm standing in that way, I am actually creating more confidence and lowering stress. The cortisol is our stress hormone. It gets lowered mm -hmm. when we stand in that way. And then I put a smile on my face, and then the thoughts. Think, I can do this. I've got this. I, you know, one shot at a time. Stay in the present moment. You know, put the, put the positive thoughts in there rather than beating ourselves up. And what Cindy was saying about gratitude. If you walk mm -hmm. in gratitude, you can't be stressed and anxious and worried when you are in gratitude. So I would say after that bad shot, remove yourself from golf for a moment. Look around. Look at the blue sky. Look at the trees. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Look at you walking out there. Say, I am so thankful to be out here. I am so thankful I have arms and legs and I can walk and I can see because not everybody has all those things. So if you go to right. gratitude, you lower your stress. So those are the skills and strategies I suggest on the golf course. I think that's some fantastic advice, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to incorporate more of that into my game. Um, you're so right, you know, Debbie, because uh, again, we see time and time again where people have a preconceived notion of what's going to happen if they've, you know, maybe they're not a very accomplished player and we get that. We understand people are going to hit some bad. We all hit bad shots, even some of the better players, but you know, they get out there and they're thinking about three rounds ago. Um, and they're thinking, gosh, you know, I'm playing this course again. The first hole is the beast. And right away they've set themselves up for failure before they've even put the ball in the ground uh, and teed it up. Um, so I think what you just said is, is so um, for lack of better words, apropos. Um, very, very well said, and I think it's just spot on. Um, Cindy, go ahead. I know you've got uh, some questions to follow up. Tell us about your five-day challenge. Oh, my goodness. This is so exciting. And I teach what I just uh, shared with your audience. And to sum it up for them so they can easily remember, it's a four, four steps. It's called BLAB, and the, one, the last B is breathe that I want to make sure they know. So using your body language with positive posture, smile, L is the positive language. You know, part of that positive language too is uh, 
asking positive leading questions instead of, oh, why do I keep hooking my driver? Why, why do I play so badly on this hole? Why do I keep three putting? And ask, how can I make two putts or less? How can I hit the driver down the middle? Because when you ask positive leading questions, you'll get positive answers. So positive language, I've got this, I can do this, and positive questions. And then it's the appreciation and then breed. So just to sum it up so everybody can remember, blab is the way it's four things you can do on the golf course. I teach that in the five-day challenge. And then we also go deeper. So this is what I find interesting is what I'm asking people is from where are those nerves coming? From where does fear come in when, when you're about to win a tournament? From where does the that expectation, Cindy, that you had mentioned, where does that come from? And what are the beliefs underneath that? And what we dive into is what are our beliefs when we were a kid? So sometimes kids grow up and they're never good enough, right? They have those parents mm-hmm. who will look at a, a, a report card and see all A pluses and one A minus and say, what happened on the A minus? instead mm-hmm. of praising for the A pluses. So many people out there have these limiting beliefs and they're deep seated in the unconscious mind. So now they go out to play golf and their unconscious mind says, okay, we're about to perform. We're, go- we're going to be graded, right? Cindy said it. There's a score that will show to the world. You know, and, and then they say, okay, what does that mean? When I was a kid, what it meant to me was I was never good enough, and then that probably meant I didn't feel loved or I wasn't valued or I wasn't worthy. So when, what, I, what we do in the five-day challenge is we go deeper to understand, well, why is it that you put so much pressure on yourself? Because think of the pressure. If I don't perform, I feel unloved. If that's a connection that we made when we were a kid because we always got put down and punished because we, we fell short somewhere, that's, think of that pressure. Golf's hard enough. Now we're, now we're performing to feel valued, to, to feel like we belong, to, to measure up to others. And that's unconscious. There, no one's consciously thinking about that. You know, I'll look at someone and they're holding the grip so tightly, trying to get them to loosen their grip. And we keep, we're taking deep breaths. We're squeezing and releasing. We're doing all this. I had a student one time, her hands literally hurt her after golf every time Mm -hmm. she couldn't relax them so you know what we got into talking about was she wasn't safe if she felt out of control so then we dug deep into well when did you first decide that you had to be in control oh and then there were situations when she was a kid so there's Mm -hmm. deeper things in the unconscious mind that remembers and then there's the traumatic events like you mentioned jordan speed I believe Jordan Spieth could use a, what we call a, a breakthrough for a significant emotional event, traumatic event in his life, the, the Masters, right? He really hasn't been the same player since he hit the ball in the water twice at the Masters. He was winning everything, confident. You, know, you knew if he had the lead, he was finishing it off at that time. So what happens? Our unconscious mind, same thing Lexi in the U.S. Open. Three and a half rounds, she plays great, and she's been working with a sports psychologist, and she's in gratitude. She was sharing that. She let go of bad shots easier. She was in gratitude the whole time and just was really, you know, feeling more calm and relaxed and and at ease out there, less tension. And then nine holes to play, she has a lead, five-shot lead, and she blows it. Well, what's going on Mm -hmm. in the unconscious mind that switched that? Because what I'm teaching, Cindy, in this five-day challenge is the conscious mind is the goal setter. 
That's the conscious mind. The unconscious is the goal getter. And I tell you, these high-level athletes who've had a lot of expectations since they were a kid, many have associated that I am unworthy or not valued if I don't if I don't win or if I'm not the best or if I don't perform or the perfectionist. So there's a reason people are perfectionists, you know, because no one's perfect, right? We're human beings. But some people Mm -hmm. have that belief that they have to be perfect to be loved. So that's where we go. Mm -hmm. We figure it out. And then uh, then we show them how to release those limiting beliefs. So now they can go and play their best golf and just be their authentic self without these other expectations that are deep-seated in their unconscious mind. Hmm. Awesome. Ted? I love it. So, Debbie, I want to just continue on a little bit with this theme, but I want to approach it from uh, a little bit different perspective. You know, you know as, as, as well as Cindy and I do with junior golfers particularly, and I'm talking the little, you know, not little, little kids, but the, the junior golfers, and we see parents all the time just pushing, 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 and you can almost see it on the child's face. Um, where they become overwhelmed. They don't feel like they're measuring up. You know, they, the kid has certainly some talent. We don't know where it's going to go, um, but the parents just sort of live vicariously. What's the conversation you're going to have with a parent of a child where you're seeing there's certainly some talent there? Um, what's that conversation going to be like with the parent? How do you get them to dial it back and say, be more supportive, be less this, more of that? What do you do? But I think we have one of the best examples ever in Nancy Lopez. Her dad, Domingo, would ask her after a round of golf, um, Nancy, did you try your best? Did you try your best each shot? And she would say, yes, I did. He said, then you be, I am proud of you and you be proud of yourself. And Nancy mm-hmm. actually did that with me one time. I was playing in our LPGA uh, Professionals National Championship and I didn't play well. We happened to be communicating. I texted her. She said, how would you do today? And I said, I didn't play well. Her next question was, did you do your best on every shot? And I thought about it, mm-hmm. and I thought, yeah, I got myself in a positive state. I visualized my shot. Yeah, I, and my, my intentions were positive. I stayed in a positive state. I wrote back, and after I thought about it, and I said, yes, I did. And she said, then you be proud of yourself. She didn't ask me what I shot. She didn't care. And yeah. that's what parents can learn from um, a, an amazing dad whose daughter was one of the best to play the game, an LPGA Tour Hall of Famer. The outcome Mm -hmm. of the score shouldn't matter. What matters is your child knows they are loved and valued, and you're Mm -hmm. proud of them for putting the work in and doing their best. You know, yes, set goals. um, You know, know, setting a goal for a score, a score is something you can't control in golf. You may get a bad bounce. Mm -hmm. Right? Things happen in golf. You can't control your right. score. You know, set a goal with your child that's about, all right, after every shot, you're going to have a positive or neutral reaction. Set a goal that you're going to be balanced, that you're going to decide on every shot you hit, you're going to be clear and commit to the shot you decide to hit. Those, and, then, and then afterwards, hey, how'd you do on that? And, and if they didn't do well, the parents need to know that failure is a learning opportunity. So forget the word failure. Nobody fails. You learn. You either succeed in achieving your goal or exceed your goal or you learn. And if parents can get that idea and say, all right, let's look at this round. What can we learn from it? What are the positive learning? What did you do well first? Maybe ask that first. You know, what are all the things? What are you you excited about? What was your best shot today? 
And then mm-hmm. what, what can we learn? You know, there's nothing bad that happens if it's a learning experience, right? Hey, this is right. great. We're gonna, you're going to get even better because we're learning things. So the next time, oh, yeah, a couple yep. times I, 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 I thought I should hit a different club and I didn't go back and change the club. Awesome. I'm so glad that happened because now you've learned the lesson. If that didn't happen, you wouldn't have learned it. Now we know. So the next time if you have doubt over a club, you know to step away, rethink it, and then decide and commit to the shot. So there are lessons to learn. There are successes. There are exceeding success. Always celebrate first what went well and then look for learning opportunities. And make sure your child knows they're loved for just waking up in the morning. They don't have to Mm -hmm. do anything. They don't have to earn your love. They're unconditionally loved just because they're your child, right? And then then you can set, you know, you can still have a plan and a strategy, but do it. Make it fun. Make it, make it, hey, you know, ask, ask the child. The kids know. You can ask them. So what would you like? What would you like to achieve? And what do you think we need to do to get there? Go through a success mm-hmm. strategy. Have an execution plan. Like, okay, we'll take this step, this step, this step. Then, you know, then we can get to here. Is that where you want to get to? Yeah. Like, make it a family, you know, plan, not just telling the, the child and making them do things because you want to make it fun. You really do. Um, we all play better when we're, when we're relaxed and, and feeling a sense of joy out there, don't we? I know I do. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, yeah. and studies show that we do. Tension is a killer in golf. Mm-hmm. It is. The anxiety yep. and tension and fear, you're not going to play as well. So go out there and have fun. If Parents, if you want your child to play their best game, get them in a positive state of mind. Make sure they feel secure in who they are and be proud of them for trying their best on, on each shot. And just being out there, having the courage to sign up and go play in a tournament and the courage to put their score on a scoreboard and on the Internet. <laughs> that's, a, that's huge. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I I just want to touch on one thing and then, Cindy, I'll bounce it back to you. Um, You know, you you talk about, you know, about failure and and not, you know, looking at it as a failure. And I think that the real failure is not learning from whatever may happen out in the golf course. That's the real failure is is failing to learn from that experience. Um, Because you're right, there is no failure. You hit a bad shot, we all hit bad shots. That that doesn't mean it's a failure. Uh, But if you, if you, miss the opportunity to learn from whatever it may be that's happened out in the golf course. That, in my opinion, is what the failure is. And uh, just a thought. Um, Cindy, no, go ahead. I agree. I agree. There's a great quote, too, Ted, that says, uh, experience is not the greatest teacher, right? We, we've learned that quote. Experience is the greatest mm-hmm. teacher. It's examined experience is the greatest teacher. Because if you just have experience mm-hmm. and you never examine it, how are you going to learn the lessons? So examine those right. experience, take a moment, take a breath and say, okay, what, this is great. You know what? Sure. What, do I wish it hit, I hit it in the water on that hole? No, but what can I learn from it? And, oh, wow, mm-hmm. thank you. That had happened because now I learned this. <laughs> you know, it's great. <laughs> well said. Cindy, go ahead. Deborah, I need to know what you would say to a parent who is not doing that with their child who their child you can you can feel the tension in the room and you know that this parent is damaging their child's subconscious mind for the rest of their life and you need to step in and do something about it how would you handle that awesome i love that 
I, I would first, you know, if I if you can have a one on one with the parent and just say, okay, what are your what are your goals for your child? What how when when they're you know, you can do golf goals, you can do life goals, like ask them, like, what if you, if you imagine your child five years from now, what, what qualities and characteristics would you want them to have as a person? What do you want them to believe about themselves? What type of golfer would you want them to be in five years? And get that vision of the, for the, of the parents for their child, because the parents push in so hard, right? Because they obviously have some place they want the child to go. So I would find out what the parents want. I mean, ideally, I would do a whole coaching session with the parents, and it would start with what are the negative thoughts and emotions that are coming up when your child is, is playing golf, because it's about them. It's really about the parents, and maybe they failed. or I mean, that's a whole, you know, mm-hmm. I, ideally, I would love to coach the parent, but, you know, <laughs> this is the way to handle as an LPGA professional with a parent like this. Get their vision and say, okay, let, let me be clear. Make sure you repeat what they say. So, so this is what you want for the child. You want them to get a golf scholarship. You want them to go on and, and have a successful career. What does success mean to you? you know, and then their qualities and characteristics. And who are they as a person? So you want them to be confident. You want them to be happy. You want them to feel successful, accomplished. You want them to learn how to work hard, be determined, be resilient. Okay, these are all the things you want. Am I clear? This is what you want. Yeah. Okay. Um, so would you mind, ask their permission, would you mind if I give you um, a plan on how, what my experience has been, my 30, 40 years, whatever it is in the golf industry of coaching (laughs) players, of being a player, right, of whatever it is, of all of that, uh, can I I give you some some thoughts on how I would would design this? And they'll be like, yeah, please especially because you just edified yourself, right, of the experience I've had at a player at a very high level. Cindy, that, I mean, it's so easy for you to say. You've competed with the best in the world, right? My experience, my experience as a coach who's coached some of the best, my experience talking with the best players in the world, this is what works. And then get into the positive affirmations, you know, what, the things I just explained, being proud of them for, for going out there and giving their best effort. You know, it's not focusing their, uh, them on their score because you don't want your child to believe they are their golf score and how you feel about them is judged on their golf score. So if they play great, they're loved. If they don't, they're not. You know, you, that, mm-hmm. it, that's not what you want for your child. So then do that plan of love them for their humanness first, be proud, and then give them the advice that you would want them to have. But I would say first get their vision. So if you want this, then here's a path to get you there. But have them tell you what they want and then say, if you want them to be determined, you know, and and be resilient and be successful, your most successful golfers play with a a relaxed confidence about them. They, They release the outcome of their score and they play one shot at a time easily and effortlessly without being anxious about losing, without having fear. And if you're very critical of your child, after the round because of how they shoot and you only focus on the negative, the next time they play, they're going to be filled with fear and anxiety and no golfer plays their best. And what you just told me is you want them to play their best. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so first, foremost, absolutely get their vision. Just listen and keep asking and remember the qualities and characteristics and who do you want them to be as a person? Cause that's important. More important, really, right? That's what you just said. <laughs> More important. Yes. 
Right, and I also think too, Debbie. I think it's important to for the parents to really understand the thought process of the child, what they really want. And Cindy, you always refer to this as the why. Why are they there? Why do they play? Why do they want to play? Um, so that they understand what. Because a lot of times we know we're all guilty of it. Growing up, you say, "Oh, I want to play this," or "I want to do that." And maybe you know, after a little while, well, this isn't for me. I think it's important that discussion happen uh, very early on as well, so that again, the parents aren't pushing the child into tournament golf if that's not really what they want to do, right? I agree wholeheartedly. That's that's the other question even for the parents. Now, have you asked Joey what he wants? Right. <laughs> right. Right. That's a great question. Then have that. Let's have the same conversation with Joey or whatever his name is, or her name. <laughs> right. Fantastic. Let me just ask a quick follow-up. Yeah, let me just ask a quick follow-up. Um, you know, we've seen a, a real uptick in women's golf over the last several years. Um, a lot of uh, young girls getting into the game, which is very, very exciting. I find it very, very exciting. And not just, you know, at the tour level, I'm talking about even just every day. Um, what's been some of the experience that you've seen or, or, or had over the last few years with a lot of these young girls getting in, and obviously there's older women too getting into the game, but primarily you're seeing a, a, a real influx. Um, what do you think is attributing to that? What, what's causing that to happen, do you think? Is it just a curiosity? Is it just, hey, you know, the guys have been doing this, we want to start doing this? What do you attribute that to, to sort of a, a, a really more than, much more than modest uptick in, in women coming into the game? The LPGA USGA Girls Golf Program which is going to reach like 100,000 young girls uh, getting involved in the game. And the way it's structured, it's about fun. It's about relationships and connecting and golf. Um, that, has, that has transformed the game more than anything because there's a place for girls to invite their friends, to be with their friends, to come and laugh and have fun, to, to create vision boards and do more than just golf. And, and have um, have a day that has a theme, and they, they dress up and have a theme for the day, whether it's a Disney theme or a superhero theme. We have the, the, girls, the girls' golf program around the country and, and in other countries as well has absolutely is, is changing the face of the game, and that was the goal from the beginning. So it started there, and then we have from there the um, Leadership Academy, the e-leader program where we're, con we're doing the best we can and we're expanding those all the time to get more teenagers to stay in the game. Because what we have found is girls' confidence level really does go down when they're teenagers. Now it's important. If their friends aren't playing, they don't necessarily want to play. They're not feeling as confident to get out there. There are still high schools that don't have a girls' golf team. They only have a boys' golf team. And, you know, we've had girls in the Leadership Academy, uh, which that's a two-day program where we teach leadership skills and confidence and empowerment um, for these teenage girls. And we use golf to implement it so they are golfers. And then they walk out of there just more confident to be able to go play on that boys' team or to start the girls' team. Uh, so, so many have told those stories as well, like, well, we didn't have a team, but then I reached out to all my friends, and, and I got them to play, and we started a team, and now we're in our third year, and, you know, so, so those kinds of things are happening, but it's starting at the junior level, and then it's just expanding, and I think, you know, in the corporate world as well, women are realizing that, uh, you know, 90-something percent of women who are in a C-suite position have played sports of some kind, and 50% at a 
at a, a university level. So that's any sport. So these companies also are looking for women who are athletes. And then women who play golf in corporate America or even the next level of, wow, I can, I can do my informal networking experiences. I can invite my clients out, you know, to, to golf, which is still a popular thing to do and a well-regarded and respected thing to do in corporate America. So I think those, those women who maybe even they played other sports are turning to golf then, when, especially when they're in the business world. Mm-hmm. Well said. Um, we only have a minute or two left here, but I uh, want to give you an opportunity to plug your uh, book, Golf Positive, Live Positive. Um, where can we get a copy for those uh, tuning into the show? And um, take it from there. Oh, I- Thank you so much. Well, uh, you can buy the book on Amazon. So just uh, type in Golf Positive, Live Positive. You'll find it there. You can get a free download of it, a PDF of it, on my website, debbie-oconnell.com, and uh, and then download it there as well so you can get a copy that way. So there's two ways for that. And then while you're on the site, I would look for my programs. I mean, if if you've gone out and played like a great front nine and then blew it on the back or you're about to shoot your low score ever and you blow it, the things we were talking about that's happening even with your top-level athletes, look into my Keys to a Champion Mindset 2.0, constantly making it better and better. It's just it's so exciting to see the transformation in golfers. You know, I've had – People come to this, and then their handicap drops by seven. They won the club championship that year in five days. So my next one, I'm in the middle of the one now, about to go on in two, two minutes myself. Um, but my next one is in April, April 2nd. So, uh, and it's a, a price you can't refuse. I, I always make it at a, a price because I want to share this information with as many people as possible. So you can go out and play your best golf and feel happy and joyful, mm-hmm. relaxed, have fun, and be competitive. So, uh, so check that out when you're on the site. And uh, I've developed a, a, what I'm calling the revolutionary golf system, and I have a system for, for uh, golfers as well for total game improvement, mindset, and, and the physical skills as well. So I am just so excited to share all this. And you two are amazing at what you do. Keep spreading the word. I, I'd, say, I'd say this show is getting more women in the game too. So I, I forgot to say that. Well, this this show is doing it as well, and thank you for all you do, both Cindy and Ted. Appreciate it. Thank well, we you, appreciate Debbie. you. Great and th- to see you. Yeah. And Great. Thank, thank you, you for, uh, Yeah, thank you for starting off uh, our Season 9 with a great positive discussion. So thank you. Much continued success, and we'd love to have you come back anytime you want. You're always welcome. Our door is open. So thank you, Debbie O'Connell, and um, we look forward to the next time. Thank you. I do, too. Have a great day, everybody. You, too. You, too. Bye-bye. All right. Great way to start off the show. Nice, positive, upbeat discussion. And Debbie always brings a lot of uh, positive vibes to the air and uh, to what she does, and we always appreciate that. And don't forget to check out her book, Golf Positive, Live Positive. You can get that at uh, Amazon.com by just typing that in, or you can visit her website. All right, Cindy, uh, that's it for our first show. And we'll be back next week with another great guest, and we'll update you as well on uh, the upcoming Symmetra Tour schedule uh, in the the next uh, few shows. So appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. God bless everybody. Have a great week. And on behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Odorico. Thank you for tuning in to the Women of Golf show this morning. Thanks always, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. 
Ted and Cindy, wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf's Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash womenofgolf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.